Welcome back to the Lime Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. This particular conversation is with two of my most preferred human beings in the world, Aubrey Marcus and his beautiful wife, Vailana. And this conversation was a particularly capturing essentially like a low moment in my existence where I was feeling all of the feels as I'm moving or was moving and I guess continually moving through a separation with a person that I cared very deeply for. And so Aubrey and Vi have been acting as like a support group for me in all sorts of ways, not just with this one situation, but many situations for the last several years. And so I thought it'd be interesting to capture yet another fairly radically mushy, vulnerable moment in my life and put myself up on the chopping board for y'all to dissect and witness how weak I really can be. It's been a very fascinating experience. It's very easy to feel strong and feel like you got everything going on, everything under control when things are working and things are easy. And uh, if that's your whole life, you're missing out on the opportunities of actually going deeper into the layers of yourself that only present themselves through things that you would try to push away typically. And so I find with my own self that my tendency is to, unless I'm essentially like pinned down to face my own shit, I will divert and avoid and walk around until I'm forced to do it. And I think relationship, there is not a better medium to face your own stuff. And so I wanted to capture this experience. In the moment I was, like I mentioned, I was I think at a pretty low point during this conversation, which is actually why I wanted to record it. Uh, it's a little bit masochistic and strange, but um, you know, fuck it. So very interesting to get to have Aubrey and Vi, who are just like some of the best I think mentors that I could have in my life, be able to share their wisdom with you guys. And so uh, I hope you guys devour this conversation. I hope you really enjoy it. And uh, if you're going through any type of pair bonding, coming together with someone, what a beautiful thing. Um, you get to release and create all this amazing, like you can feel the energy of connection with somebody. Very fascinating. You can actually feel your heart can feel it like vibrate in a way and there's actually a real thing called broken heart syndrome where I, th I believe it's the left ventricle ends up becoming less active like the electrical signals diminish when a person goes through like a, a really deep heartbreak of some sort they lose their loved one or or something of the sort happens and it can actually cause heart failure which is pretty pretty wild. So our emotions and our feelings and sensations and perceptions are actually guiding the physiology of our heart. And so uh, what an amazing thing that the experience of love can have such an impact. And then also on the other side of the coin, because you can't have connection without separation, you can't have birth without death, both sides are of equal value. And so in the, the parting portion, you release all sorts of energy as well. And I think that that's a, it's a fascinating experience. If you can step out from yourself away from all of the potential clinging or, or pushing away or whatever type of sensations you might be experiencing, if you can step beyond 
yourself in that situation and, and witness. I think that that's actually, it's almost like it's an opportunity to start to unwind some of the knotted up yarn of your subconscious. And so that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the experience that I've had where I think that I was kind of set in my ways, all things feel fine and good. Then something causes a, 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 a small scale tornado to manifest inside of you. And what I've experienced with that is observing that tornado as an opportunity to actually go in. And um, what's the saying Rumi said? He said the wound allows the light to enter. So I personally have felt like I've been riding this kind of like comfortably numb type sensation for the last while. And uh, I'm immensely grateful for any of the things in my existence that have stirred me up to the point of feeling, just feeling in general. I have great gratitude for separation, which is great. And I, I wonder if uh, perhaps there could be any value for people out there listening, which is why I want to share this conversation. Uh, you can share this conversation with somebody that you appreciate. You could tell somebody that you appreciate that you love them or that you care about them. That could be good homework for you. There's someone in your life, or maybe like three people in your life that you care about. And uh, maybe you haven't told them that for a little while. Just tell them, write them a letter or get them some flowers or just give them a call, send them a text right now. So three people that you care about, send them a text at the least something more than that you know whatever you want to do but at least three people tell them why you care about them and uh yeah just do that why not and you could also leave reviews for the podcast is great if you've got the align method book i appreciate you know sharing and telling your friends and all that stuff uh, you can share this episode on the instagram tag me at align podcast i think that's it here we go back to the scheduled programming with two of my favorite people, Aubrey Marcus and his beautiful wife, Vailana. Pa, 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 pa. Here we are. Here we are, Fred. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for taking care of my emotional distress over the last several days. Aww. Well, maybe, th- <laughs> maybe yes, the last several days, but maybe the last reserve- several years. <laughs> <laughs> maybe reserve thank yous till after this podcast. Oh, I, have, I have a different agenda. Oh, today. good boy. That's yeah, yeah. A, I appreciate. It. What is your agenda, Aubrey? Well, you know what? During my six years of polyamory, I went to some really dark places, mm. thinking about my sweetheart getting fucked by any wow. variety of different people. And I know that you're experiencing, you're experiencing something similar right now. And I didn't want to use a euphemism because it's not a euphemism when it's in our own mind. And we're just thinking about all the things that are happening to that person that we hold so dear to us. Yep. It's no easy feat. Hmm. So what is the, uh, what's the lesson in all of this? Uh, well, and I'll give some context. Give some context. In a minute. So I've been... Uh, quite trepidatious in in the realm of emotional intimacy and vulnerability. I think I have like a a facade that probably most people see through, I'd imagine, of being fairly like emotionally in tune and connected and empathetic and all those things. I think I'm I'm, I'm fairly... More than a facade. (laughs) More than a facade. You've been an unbelievable friend. Yeah. Hmm. And you've always been tapped into how I'm feeling, what's going on in my heart, what's going on in my head. So you you really are to other people that person great thank you <laughs> i can receive that uh and then when it comes to emotional intimacy with like the potential of uh, being hurt on the other side 
specifically with, with women. And that's really where it's like with guys or as like in a teacher role or anything like that, I can put that hat on and it feels really good and feels very comfortable and feels very safe. Um, but I've had the really beautiful opportunity to what I would deem to be fall in love with a person, which hasn't happened for years and years, like a decade. And so I've kind of had this like comfortably numb experience for the last 10 years or so. Mm. And then I slipped into a sensation that felt like my whole like chest and heart and everything was expanding and opening. And it was, was and is like one of the most important experiences that I've had for a long time. And within that, um, as things happen, things evolve and transition and change. We've transitioned into coming apart. And uh, I've been going through all these really interesting, like experiencing all these very interesting energies of sorts inside my body and inside my mind and emotions. And it caused me to go back to connect with my parents and my mom and cry with her and do all these. And it's been like one of the most important moments of my, my short life that I've been here. And so during our time here together, I've been talking with you guys a lot about what that is. And uh, you guys have been very supportive. Mm. There's the context. <laughs> we were, we're missing some context because in your mutual decision, in, in your mutual decision to part ways, which seemed fairly mutual, but you certainly had some culpability in, in making that decision happen. Uh, this person you fell in love with is seeing somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's not been an easy thing. That is true. <laughs> but that's okay. I think, I think that there's, I think it's like, so it feels something that I'm, and I'm going to do my best to not just go into like, uh, like waxing poetically about philosophy and kind of superficial stuff. Wait, I thought that's the whole point of the podcast. Is the wax <laughs> no, poetically about I know. I don't, I don't want to. People want the human. Fuck, I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing here. That people want well, the human. Yeah. Give us the human. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll we'll see what we what we end up stumbling into. But so something that I'm I'm learning. Love is something, and gathering this from Ram Dass, like I gather so many things, but love is something that uh, you have within you all the time. And you know, the, this, the people outside of you, or your, your dog, or your work, or your girlfriend, or boyfriend, whatever it is, they act as like a stimulus to activate that mechanism within yourself that you've had all the time. Mm -hmm. And then we can become addicted to that stimulus and start to have the belief that that stimulus is the love. That's mm -hmm. what we need. Yeah. To be able to feel the love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm kind of, maybe not what we need, but, but definitely what we use. Mm. It's a tool. Yeah. You know, and so that's kind of where I'm at with, with um, like regaining autonomy. I became weak, which was like really important and really beautiful. And I'm immensely grateful for it. Uh, and I feel like I'm in the process of kind of putting parts back together to come back stronger than I was before with that ability to feel that love with or without someone and then be able to actually bring like the queen, you know, the metaphoric queen in from not from a clinging place, but from a more grounded place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually being, actually having your heart open for deep intimacy. Whereas before when you were just kind of like, you know, like when you experience intimacy in a way that's sort of numbed out, it's like how deep can you really get with somebody? How much availability do you actually have to experience the depth of what love is? And it seems like in your experience that you've had recently, it's like really cracked you open. It's like broken you open, but a necessary break so that you could move through all of the raw emotion and discomfort 
to actually, you know, like you just said, just like find a, a deeper place of love within yourself to call in and be ready for the right relationship if there's a right relationship. <laughs> Where do you think you guys are with your own level of love autonomy? Does that make sense? Of love autonomy? Like yeah. in, within ourselves? Yeah, lo love within yourself without the dependence on the exterior to, to activate those, those wheels. I think before coming into this partnership for both of us, we had gotten to a really solid level of love autonomy and, and sovereignty. And, you know, like even in moments that we've had difficulty, like before we got married, we had a ceremony that was not easy at all and ended up taking, you know, a little bit of time apart just that day, just to kind of take some space and like reflect on if we were making the right decision, you know, is, is this right for us right now? And it was the first time I had actually considered life, you know, maybe not with him. Like, how would I be if that weren't the case? And although it's, you know, the thing that I want the most, I also get to moments where I feel so in love in myself and so in love with life that regardless of what happens, I know I'm going to be okay and find joy and, and, and be love. You know, I've even had to wrestle with the idea I think my greatest fear at this point is losing him. It's not about dying. It's not about failing. It's not about all these different things. It's literally losing, you know, my beloved. And so kind of putting myself in that situation and having to have the surrender and acceptance of letting him go, but, but feeling into the fact that I am still love. I'm still here with purpose. I, I embodied for a certain reason at this time on this planet. Like I can... I can still be me and I can still be love and, and find joy, regardless of, you know, whatever this creates. This is a this is extraordinary, you know. But there's 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 both sides of it. There's the there's the we and then there's us as sovereign beings. So I feel pretty um personally solid in that way. Yeah, it was a hell of a journey for me. So much of my own love for self was dependent on looking back at the love that others had for me and how that was expressed and it needed to be expressed in multiple different ways it needed to be expressed sexually it needed to be expressed emotionally spiritually and i was always looking for people to love me so i could love myself for all of these different reasons and uh, i don't think i really broke that fever until my six days in the darkness you know when i did that darkness retreat which you know thanks to you you were one of the people who <laughs> initially wrote about that in your book and uh, piqued my interest therapy nui or whatever they called it in something czech like republic that. something yeah. like that and then i had somebody else um talk to me about it on my podcast and went and did that and uh you know i had multiple different points where i started to recognize that my love was dependent on others and i started to practice self-love read kamal ravikant's book love yourself like your life depends on it and um started the practice of self-love i always thought i loved myself but i really realized that i was incredibly dependent on others for that love started the work and then really in the darkness that was where the fever broke you know and i really really accepted that i was willing to love myself love my life independent of everything else and i had two pretty great months actually before we got together january february into march i was feeling great and i think that's really what opened up energetically and and spiritually like this union 
to happen. It was almost like that was the test that the universe was waiting for. It was like, you got to learn how to do this yourself. Mm. And then when you really learn how to do this yourself, we're going to give you the greatest gift that you could ever possibly imagine. And that's kind of what it felt like. But it, man, it was no, no easy feat. And, you know, I started this podcast because I remember the grueling moments where in this polyamory journey, you know, my sweetheart who was Whitney at the time. She would, she would go see somebody else. And it was, I mean, I, it was, I was a total shipwreck. You know, I was picking up splinters and pieces of the mast and the sail was underground and the anchor was dragging me down and a kraken had it and it's fucking tentacles and there were sharks nipping at my balls. And it was brutal, man. It was fucking brutal because there was some aspect of that that I was dependent upon her loving me to love myself. So really, as she was expressing her love for other people as much as i tried to get into that compersion state where i was happy for her happiness and happy for her pleasure i was wrecked because as she was loving somebody else that means that meant i wasn't worthy of love yeah and that was the part that was really fucking devastating and that's the lesson that you have the opportunity to really and i think you're doing a great job actually um, though I'm not finished trying to drag you into the darkness of these thoughts, but like, but ultimately, because facing in that darkness of the thoughts, you realize how foolish it is. Ultimately, because you're really saying that if you experience pleasure with this other person, if you love this other person, you're reflecting back upon yourself, and that's where the pain is. Mm. The pain is the is the looking glass self of looking at your partner, your former partner, as a mirror back to self. And then the pain you feel is is the lack of love you feel in self. If you were fully full with your love, if I was fully just completely full and overflowing with my own love, it wouldn't have bothered me. For me, like it's almost, there's like a natural oscillation of, uh, we were describing before like the metaphor of kind of like, like the energy that you get from, from fusion and fission. And when mm. you put two particles together, the metaphor was that's like, union, partnership, pair bonding, you, you feel that, that connection, you're kind of merging together, there's this huge release of energy, you know, and it's, you call it love, and you make music, and you have sex, and you make art, and you travel, and it's like, oh, like you can like literally feel love in your body. And it's, it's this energy that you can, you can hold, and you can use it as a tool, or whatever you want to use it for, and then there's inevitably, there will be a split. There's no non, there's no union without separation and so whether it's someone dies you break up you find another partner whatever it may be unless you die first well all right <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know how that works um but then the next level would be like okay now we had the fusion now we have the fission it's a separation it's this new release of energy and you can use that to you know, put it into an engine and combust yourself to wherever you want to go, or you can light yourself on fire, depending upon how you channel it. And it feels to me almost like there's like this natural cycle. And we love, I love the fusion part, but then the fission part is, I think, equally valuable. Mm. But it's also something that I try to like push away. But what I, I'm, I'm witnessing in, in this experience is uh, actually like, like, like the, the beauty of the whole thing and how the energy that's been released through that fission, that separation, has been the exact energy I needed to, to go deeper into my own 
deeply held emotional wounding and patterns in relationship to my mom and my dad and yeah. childhood shit that I just wouldn't have had the gasoline to go into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have like big self looking down and being like, oh, this is so cool. <laughs> and then I have like small self, like, you know, self-immolating. You're, you're also very, um, <laughs> it's been very impressive to receive your experience though because you're so present with it. You're so present with the rawness of the emotions that you feel. It's not like you're running from it, trying to distract yourself and numb out or, no, you know, like, you, okay, on some <laughs> level, maybe you're doing that. <laughs> However... I also lots of avoidance. I mean I, I I've also just witnessed firsthand like the actual, you know, courage to just step into the vulnerability and you actually have like a wild curiosity about it. Like this is kind of cool. Like there's something here for me to learn. It doesn't feel great, you know, but you're actually stepping up to the plate and you're playing the game. You're not just like running off and trying to just shut it off in your psyche and you know do something else like you're really being with it yeah you know I think and, so. and and totally authentic about the discomfort or distraction or you know any of it like you're just really present with yourself which is a yeah. lot i think a, a, is a the learning in in being that way can be so much quicker <laughs> i wonder i i know Absolutely, there's lots of people going through similar things right now based off of stuff I've posted on the internet and gotten response of way more people than I was anticipating. Like, oh my God, like same thing. Mm. And I'd imagine, especially with the times, there's like just tons of fission happening in the world and fusion, but there's lots of separation happening. Mm. Um, is there any way to kind of create some type of roadmap of sorts or like bullet points or ideas for, for people? You know, the, the the only thing that I learned is it's the lesson that you learn from ayahuasca. Like my first ayahuasca journey, it took me to the heart of darkness, you know. And this was, I've told this story many times before, but ultimately I had a fear of death, as most of us do. So ayahuasca took me straight to that fear of death. There was spiders crawling in my eye, in my vision state. Spiders crawling in my eyes and bursting out of my eye sockets and beetles crawling in my mouth and choking me from the inside, snakes eating my innards, sliding down a vine of thorns naked, ultimately arriving at ayahuasca telling me I had cancer and I was going to die a slow, painful death of suffering. And that freaked me out the most. And I was in deep resistance until finally I surrendered to it. But I looked at all of the different horrific ways that I could die and finally had to get acceptance to that. I don't know another way. I don't know another way other than to actually go through and face head on every fear and look straight at it and then accept it. And I remember I remember the very first time, like the very first time Whitney got a lover. And I remember I was absolutely wrecked. And this is, you know, again in, in polyamory. So it was all it was all above board. It was nothing that I hadn't done myself. But this was my first time to experience it. I was like crawling around on the ground i didn't know if i needed wanted to puke or like punch a wall or cry this was going on and on and every different time i would have a different thought oh my god doggy style and i would like start retching like literally dry heaving with the emotions that would come up and it got to such a point where i was like i can't allow a new little small thought to just devastate me i have to go straight into it and face the worst of it and i imagined her like 
tied up on some in some fucking barn getting fed pig slop and Jesus. whipped and sodomized in the most brutal ways and I was like what's wrong with your psyche <laughs> I had to do that I had I had to do that I had to do that because at that point at that point I recognized your psyche is a darkness <laughs> at that point I recognized you know what it wasn't that so if I could accept that Whatever actually happened, it definitely wasn't that. And I could actually, I had a laugh and I had some acceptance. And then all of the little other thoughts that were, that were plaguing me weren't plaguing me anymore. Now, there was still that deep ache. It's not like it was a full cure, but I had to go straight into that. And that was, a, that was an important lesson. And what I really ended up you know, learning, and that's why I always wanted to you know, face the worst fear, know what was going on, and just try and deal with it head on because otherwise my mind would just spin me in circles. Mm. You know, so so that was the important lesson to me was just look at it with your eyes wide open and accept the worst. And what I what I ultimately realized was always true was that whatever's happening with your partner or your ex partner, it's worse than you hope it's gonna be but it's not as bad as you fear it's going to be. Mm. You know, so the truth is actually it's going to be better than you fear. But of course we have hopes. That's almost never the case. I, I was, it's not really like a charge for me at all. Um, I, this person in particular being like gang-banged and fed pig slop or whatever. <laughs> like, Are I'm you like, sure? Wow. Like, no, honestly, that, thing, but that part doesn't really bother me. Um, it's, more, it's more like, like the, I think it's just my fear of being alone. Mm. it's not really like they could get banged in all which directions and all the stuff and it's like that's that's not really a bummer to me mm. it's more like not being enough and fear of being alone and that i'm drawing back to like oh i, I think i've i've kind of been ins instilled that through you know parents and probably parents parents and all that uh, and perhaps it's a completely natural sensation to mm. kind of have that innate fear but yeah, that's to me. It's it's not the the the, the sexual antic stuff. It's it's really just like the love part. Mm. Is there like a worthiness piece in there? Like if if you feel if you feel fearful of being alone, like to this this person that we're talking about, is is the loss of her the idea of being alone like as if you won't find that kind of love? Totally. Again? So, is there? Do you feel like there's? A worthiness thing wrapped up in that i mean it, it's it's weird yes i would say there is yeah there's been in the last like year or so there's been all sorts this like leveling up of feeling comfortable in myself um and perhaps that's just been a lot of material and like peripheral padding from my life kind of going in the direction that i've in in most many ways it's kind of going in the direction that I've been visualizing for a long time. And so I'm kind of now moving in all of those, that reality kind of coming to fruition. And so I'm, I'm in many ways I feel more resourced than ever and I feel more like confident and strong and all that. Mm. And then the fission comes in and starts <laughs> and blows everything open. And it, it feels like, yeah, I, I kind of stumble back into, into I, yeah, I would say worthiness would certainly come into play yeah do you do any self-love practices i was gonna make a stupid joke but uh <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it depends on what's defined self-love practice. I think, I think there's a big distinction between self-care practices, which you're a fucking pro. Yeah. Like you really care for yourself <laughs> mm. in a very loving way. Mm. But actually, self, like the self-love practice is, is an important distinction. And I think a lot of people might not have that distinction. They think like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I get massages. You know, I'll give myself a bubble bath. That's beautiful self-care, and that's an aspect of self-love. But self-love is really going through, number one, forgiving yourself. Like, you have to forgive yourself because it's the judgment and the grievances which actually prevent us from giving ourselves the love that we need. So and a really important part of a self-love practice is a self-forgiveness practice. Mm -hmm. And that can be, you know, Kamal Ravikant talks about that in his book, and I really recommend that book to anybody looking for an actual self-love practice. And you can follow Aaron and get some fucking amazing self-care practices because he's mm -hmm. the a guru of self-care practices. But, you know, self-love, so it starts with forgiveness. So you can write it out, and it's kind of a traditional ceremony the way he does it. It's called a despacho. So you write out all of the things that you forgive yourself for. I forgive myself for this thing. I forgive myself for this. I forgive myself for whatever grievance that you're holding. And then write it all out and then burn it. Or, you know, if it's paper, you can actually send it down a river. It's going to, you know, biodegrade or whatever. But you, you get rid of it. You, like, forgive yourself. You feel that forgiveness. And the important thing is the emotion. The emotion is what's most important. It's not just writing it out from your neutral logical state yeah. mm -hmm. but feel that forgiveness and then start applying self-love and he recommends just linking it to breath so you with each breath you say i love myself on the inhale and then as you exhale you exhale everything that's not that pure love for yourself and you just focus on your heart opening and it filling every cell and then emanating from your heart until you really like feel that love for yourself like you feel for a partner like you feel yeah. for a family member you feel that for self and that becomes your self-love practice and that was like the life raft that started to get me out of you know the pit of despair as <laughs> they would say in princess bride right like that was the thing that that actually got me to the point where i could go to the darkness and finally break the fever mm -hmm. and um so yeah, that's that to me is the is the distinction between self care and self love, and I think it's incredibly important to have a legitimate self love practice. What about I think for a lot of people there could be like a hint of of bypass in some of those practices, and that could be total bullshit. But I think for some people like I love myself, and if you actually feel like you hate yourself, yeah. um, for some people like well this this feels kind of asinine, and I feel like I'm not actually being honest. It's a commitment. It's not just like I'm gonna write things. It, like it's not coming from the mind. Like self-love is not thought. You know, like I could write things about myself all day, but if I'm not feeling any of them from within me, really taking a moment to read, I love myself for, you know, how loving I am of others. Like you know, whatever it may be, I have to actually really feel what I'm saying. Otherwise, it's you know, it's not really connecting with the energy of the practice. I think that something, as he was speaking, that was just kind of coming to mind that helped me in my own self-love practice is if you think of the way that you are with others, like you, you're an incredibly loving person with other people. And the way that you might speak or the way that your energy might be towards other people, can you have that same energy in the way that you speak and 
you know, are intimate with yourself. Something that I started as a self-love practice for New Year's one year was I started writing in my journal like letters to myself, loving letters to myself in the way that I speak to other people. Because I'm like, you're, you know, I'm always mirroring somebody else's magnificence, but like how much do I actually do that with myself? Like, you know, before then, never. So I started just writing myself love letters of, of the things that I was proud of for what I had accomplished simply in that day or a kind gesture that I made towards somebody or something that I was seeing in myself that I was overcoming, you know, anything that it might be like almost like you would want a loving parent to speak to you as a child, you know, all the things that you needed. Mm. I would be with myself in that way. And so I started to develop like a very intimate relationship with myself. Yeah, I have a couple I have a couple things to add and I think that's beautiful. It is I will add a caveat. As soon as you say I love myself for, you're practicing conditional love. And practice makes a master. Like if you love yourself for something, that means you don't love yourself for something else. By very definition. If there's anything that you love yourself for, then the thing that's not that you won't love yourself for. So you'll always be still in judgment. What we're trying to practice is unconditional self-love. And to go back to your point, the practice makes the master. And really there's a certain aspect where you're just continually casting a spell upon yourself. And Kamal talks about this in his book. He's like, you may not feel this for a long time, but you just keep saying it. You keep saying it. And it becomes this neurolinguistic programming where you're actually casting a love spell upon yourself over and over and over again. And then one day you just actually start to feel it. You actually start to believe it because those words, those spells keep running through your system and then you can actually feel it. It's not, it wasn't easy for me to feel it when I started. I was, and you feel like a fraud. But you keep saying it because you know that the practice of doing that and working through that feeling like a fraud because I didn't love myself and I knew I didn't love myself by saying, I love myself. I love myself. It's like reps. And the more reps, it's just getting you a little bit closer to that point where you can actually really love yourself. And, and that's the, the important thing for everybody to know is there's no reason to love yourself. You are worthy of love for your mere existence for purely existing, no matter what the fuck you've done, you're worthy of love. Now, you may have to deal with the consequences in the real world for your actions. You may even have to spend a lifetime in jail because of the actions that you've done. But it doesn't mean that while you're in, in jail, you can't love yourself. Like, whatever punishments the world will have to give to you, you don't need to give those to yourself. Like, you can operate from that place of self-love and when you have that abundance of self-love your actions toward the world are going to be loving actions so you're actually doing the whole world a favor as well as yourself mm. and so that's you know truly why i think this is one of the most important pinnacles of like principles of human mental emotional programming is the actual practice of self-love, unconditional self-love. That's a, that's a really good point too, because rejecting the aspects of you that are in darkness, yeah. you know, like those also need to be loved. Like if it just kind of like fracturing and, and rejecting those aspects of yourself is self-punishing and, and totally in self-judgment. So that was a really good point. I'm, I'm happy you pointed out. Um, but, but loving yourself for your darkness too. Like that's also something that I've had to totally move into. I've had to see myself in rage, in anger, 
and guilt and shame and all of these things. And I've had to learn how to find a way to love that too. Because otherwise, if you're shaming yourself, if you're guilting yourself for your darker aspects, like there's no possible way to move into unconditional love because you're only loving the pieces of yourself that you think are right yeah. or good. The ceiling on your self-love is the thing you love the least about yourself. Like this is such an important principle. The ceiling on your self-love is the thing you love the least about yourself. So you gotta start with loving those aspects of your shadow. You gotta start with loving those aspects that you hold in judgment. I got that, I, I recognize that, because there's a quote from the Bible translated by you know my great friend and spiritual mentor, Ted Decker. And it was when the Christ, speaking from the perspective of the Christ itself, not from Jesus the man, he said, that which you do to the least of us, you do to me, which is God, right? Or, or the Christ of consciousness. So that which you do to the least, so the lowest man, the most vile man, the most evil man, that which you do to, to him in your own judgment, in your own mind, and what, what you're actually casting aspersions upon about that person, you do to the divine. And I recognize like, oh, translating that to self-love, that thing that I love the least about myself, I do to the entirety of myself. And so that becomes the ceiling on how much I'm able to actually love myself. Mm. So another great practice is to go through and start loving all of the aspects that we judge about ourselves. And there's going to be a bunch or even the insignificant things, you know, like I love the corns on my toes. I love the, I love the, you know, <laughs> the way. You're talking about I love the way that my, my neck pitches for I love your perfect. You're perfect. That's what I'm saying. You got to love that shit. I love my coins. And like whatever, whatever it is, any little aspect that you hold in judgment, you got you to gotta start there and you got to love all of those things. And when you can do that, you start to lift oh, the rising tide, just lifts the entire ship of yourself up. Mm. A, uh, a really, really great phrase that I've used when I've been in judgment of, of others, a particular person you know of, or in judgment of myself for something, instead of the, the, just the phrase, I love you, I, something that feels more present and more true is, I love you as you are, mm. How, wherever you're at in this moment, you know, however you might perceive that you're failing or succeeding, you know, like wherever you may be at, I love you as you are. And that's like, I think that statement is truly unconditional love because there's no, you know, there's not positioning it in any direction. It's just, this is what's present and I'm going to love me for me right here, right now. Mm. It feels like I love that. We're saying love a lot. This is the love podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 310, the love podcast. Wanted to take a quick moment and thank a vital mineral that has been crucially important to help me get some mother freaking deep sleep. Uh, magnesium is one of those minerals that uh, is largely missing from modern day soil. And thus, it is one of the only supplements that I will actually purchase with my own monies. I find magnesium to be a go-to supplement that I will take every single day, especially before bed. And one of the big things with a magnesium supplement is typically when you get them, they're only going to have one or two or a few different forms of magnesium inside. So I teamed up with my friends at Bio Optimizers to get you guys all the different forms of magnesium wrapped up into one 
tiny little pill that you could take before you go to bed. And I love the stuff. I really value Bioptimizers as a company. I think they do a really great job. They they source some of the best products you could find. And uh, magnesium is my go-to supplement. If you have muscle soreness, if you have any trouble with sleeping, if you care about digestion or the production of energy in your body, it is responsible for a buttload of processes in your body. It is an absolutely vital mineral for the optimal function of your mind, your body, your movement. You can get yourself 10% discount by going to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash align podcast. You get yourself 10% off on that thing. If you don't like it, they'll give you your money back. No big deal. And if you do, your muscles work better and you got more sleep and you're going to be a more rad version of yourself. So magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast to get yourself 10% off of your purchase. Here we go. Back to the program with Aubrey and Vi. Pow. It feels to me like trust is a really major part of feeling um, in acceptance. And I think that that's kind of some of like the the darker parts of me doesn't really trust the the process, and this is, you know, I'm going beyond just like this one specific thing. I'm I'm I feel deeply that, you know, I'm fine, and I have this is only making me like a way better human and opening me up to whatever is, mm. but coming into acceptance of all of the the shit, like some of the things that I don't love would be like you know. The, the clinging and the reaching and, you know, obsessing, going through the freaking Instagram feed and all the bullshit. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I don't, I'm like weak, <laughs> you know? And so, but it's like coming in, I'm like, okay, like I can trust that that's like, that's perfect. Yeah. Mm. And then I think within that, when you can come to that point or when I can come, whatever the hell that is, that I can come to that point, um, I think then all of a sudden there's like this, it's like this depressurization of sorts. You're like, okay, this is fine. You know, cool. I'm just going. I'm just. I'm banging my head up against the wall. It's great. It's fine. Mm. You know, and I think that we, as long as we have that that moralistic judgment of this is bad, good. I'm fucking up. Whatever. Mm. Then it it almost like it it it, it keeps the pressure in the yeah, chamber yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely true. And I think one of the beautiful things that you've done this trip, you know, when uh, when it's come up in conversation, you'll just with a laugh be like, Yeah, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> like, why did you like people? You know, our friend Justin be like, "Why were you looking at her Instagram?" You're like, "I'm sick." I'm I don't sick. know. I'm fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I'm fucked up. <laughs> and you say it in exactly that way, which is which actually is is the way to kind of take all of the heaviness For out sure, of it. Yeah. You know, you just acknowledge like this is me going through this thing, and and. And you recognize that it's not the ideal that you would ultimately want. Ultimately, mm. you would want to just kind of move on or have no emotional draw to this. You would want to be completely in your sovereign freedom and, and radical love, and it wouldn't even affect you. But you're recognizing you have a bit of a fever right now, mm-hmm. and you're going through the fever. But the way that you're dealing with it is just radical acknowledgement with your friends, and we all get to have a laugh about it instead of compounding shame or compounding judgment. And it seems like an incredibly healthy way to go through it, you know, because a lot of times if we're ashamed and we'll come up with rationalizations and justifications and, oh, well, you know, I was just doing this and then it just popped up in my feed and then, you know, like, 
blah, 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 when really you know that you were just looking for that the whole time. But you're ashamed to admit that. But a beautiful aspect of what's going to allow you to move through this so fast is that you're not, you're not doing that. You're incredibly comfortable just going to your friends and the people close to you and being like, yeah, I'm sick. <laughs> you know, like, uh, this is fucked up. Yeah. And, it's, and you're not actually hurting yourself and you're allowing everybody in but also not making it such a big deal that it needs to be dwelled on. And, you know, a lot of times I think we can make things worse by like just making it so heavy that you have to bring out the heavy tools to try and excavate it. And the more you dig, the more damage you do in some ways. But if you can just be light about it, acknowledge what it is, it'll move through fast. Mm. Well, every time I look back at myself anywhere beyond like a year or so, I feel like I can, everything makes sense. You know, and I can laugh about all the things. I can see, like, all the things that I thought it was so dark and terrible and scary, and I thought I was going to die or, you know, just, act like, I couldn't take it. I, 100% of, of every situation in my past, I, at this point, am in gratitude for, except some non-acceptance of, like, the dust from the last month. Mm. and i feel like i run that pattern i think it's probably a very common like human psyche patterns like the dust from the last one to three to maybe six months depending on how you operate and you know what happened how big the dust storm was that's the non-acceptance and then beyond that you already know going into it i mean maybe it depends on your operating system i guess but i already know going into it that with that time i'm going to look back and be like oh yeah totally this was perfect mm. And it's such an interesting thing. That I feel like for me, there's like there's there's this this consistency, like math, in a way. And I feel like I wonder, perhaps maybe that's just a perfectly healthy thing, and that's like great, yeah, that's 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 it. Or is there some way to maybe like expedite that process? So what you're talking about, in hindsight, everything's perfect. Yeah. Mm. But can you have, you know, hindsight as foresight? So can you look not only to the present, but also to the future, knowing that everything in hindsight is going to be perfect? So can you see it as perfect as it's happening? I think that's possible. Mm. And you just have to really recognize that to have the same lens, the same purview as of hindsight with foresight, and know that everything in the moment that's happening is happening for you, and you're ultimately going to alchemize it. Something that I try to practice often as well when... I'm struggling with something presently that I don't quite understand is I try to think of the soul's perspective of whatever's happening, like the higher purview. Like if I were my soul looking down on me at this experience, could I look at it and say, maybe this was just like, as you're saying, like maybe this was exactly perfect. Maybe this was opening that place in my heart that actually puts me on the course to be able to find my beloved to be able to find that right opportunity to redirect me, to take something away that maybe wasn't in alignment, but it cracked me open so that I could move in this other direction. Like, can I be in acceptance that there is a, a higher divine knowing that my logical mind can't see? And then through meditation, try to just connect with what that might be. Or even in meditation, connecting with the future you that looks back on it all and says, this was perfect. Thank mm, I you. I like call that person. Thank you for this experience. Like how, you know, like we all have the ability to kind of travel through time and meditation. So like actually extending yourself forward to the you that looks back on this with gratitude and connecting with that emotion, connecting with that feeling. Talking to your future self. Yeah. Yeah, big fan. Yeah, 
I think that's I think it's a great move. You know, I've gotten stuck on some stuff though. You know, there's been certain things that I haven't been able to, mostly mostly everything everything you're saying is right. With hindsight, I'm like everything's perfect. But there's like a few weird things that that created like this sharp this sharp moment of judgment that I actually wasn't able to resolve even on my own. I think that it was the first podcast with Peter Crone that I did where I revealed this one moment where it was my junior year playoffs and I was a team captain and my coach was a dick. Uh, but ultimately, end of the game, I'm just playing my heart out. It's a tough game and it's the final play and I'm guarding their star player. And, and I, was doing a, I was doing a really good job actually, which is what was crazy. The final play, he decides he's going to pull me out of the game. We're up by one and they have the ball like 20 seconds left and he pulls me out of the game and brings this other guy who hadn't played a moment of the game to guard the guy who I was guarding. And I was like, just kind of shocked, but he was a coach and I was upset, but I didn't protest and I didn't say anything. So of course the guy I was guarding gets the ball, the guy that subbed in for me, can't guard him, ends up letting him drive right by him. The guy scores, we lose the game, we're out of the playoffs. And I felt like I let my school down, I let my family down because I didn't just stand up to my coach and say, no fucking way. Like, do not take me out of this game. Like, I got this. And so that moment, I was never able to forgive myself for. And I didn't realize how deeply it had affected my psyche until, you know, Peter Crone got in there and he kind of figured it out. And there was this kind of like tearful release that actually happened. So there may be things that we have in our psyche that we haven't alchemized, that we haven't forgiven ourselves for, that we haven't learned the lesson for. And it was crazy. I mean, fuck, I was like 37 when we when I did that podcast with Peter and I was 17 when that thing happened on the basketball court, but it's still stuck. And I remember there was another one from college where I was in this play, this Commedia dell'arte play where you're supposed to have improv and whatever. And I was playing this character and it was opening night and packed house, like, you know, big, like big deal. City of Richmond was out, school was out. And my sword belt and the way that my sword was and my costume, it like fell off. And, oh, no. and, but the way that you're supposed to do this in improv Italian comedy is you're supposed to make everything, you know, break down the fourth wall, talk about it. I could have made fun of the people making the, you know, making my costume or talked about how it was a fake sword and it would have been a big funny thing. But instead I panicked and I like was like, uh, and I couldn't do the rest of my thing holding the sword. It needed to be on my belt because I had other shit to do with my hands. So I just like threw it behind the, the set. And like that moment of like not having the wherewithal to actually go with it and the comfort to go with it. Man, I beat myself up about that for 15 years at least. I would think about it and I would just shudder. God, idiot. Like that doesn't matter. Nobody remembers that. The point of this is, is there may be those things. There may be those things that we haven't fully let go of, fully alchemized. And there's always an opportunity to go back, forgive yourself, learn whatever you can, but really like release anything that we haven't, in hindsight, been grateful for. Do you think that perhaps that those experiences were actually just a reproduction of something even deeper than that? That you kind of have been setting yourself up to reproduce in order to heal something deeper than that moment? Obviously, because the moment 
didn't have any consequences that carried into the future. The moment was representative of a pathway of judgment of self. Right, so it was a way that I wasn't sharp enough, clever enough, funny enough in the moment, therefore not good enough, therefore not worthy of the fullest amount of my love. I wasn't strong enough against, in, in defiant enough towards my coach to actually be the leader and be the captain, so I was too weak and therefore not worthy of love, right? So there are these like archetypal representations that these things are that these moments represented a much bigger thing. So yes, to answer your question, and I think healing the bigger thing as well as forgiving the, the moment, because forgiving the moment's easy, but really actually allowing that to point to where there's still work to be done. Yeah, mm. that's, that's like the, we talked about this in the, the podcast that we still haven't released from LA that we're talking about the Peter Levine Awakening Tiger and all that stuff, uh -huh. which that will come out and we'll go deeper in that conversation in that. But in that book, which I highly recommend, he goes into how we will catastrophize, could be the word, or sabotage ourselves in order to, to reproduce or open up a wound that hasn't been all the way healed. Mm -hmm. And so we'll go through, and most many people probably resonate with that with like relationships. Like, oh, it's like the same person, all the same patterns, yeah. and now we're, we're fighting, and then we broke up, and it's like that same thing over and over and over again. And intuitively, I feel like, and with what you're saying, my sense is that those situations were kind of just minutia, like the actual, you know, the event itself. And it's, it's all just your internal psyche, subconscious trying to catalyze some deeper healing. It's like, oh, here's another reminder. It's, Are you yeah. going to be able to figure it out? Here's your test. Right. Yeah. Yay, nay. You're like, nay? Okay, cool. Give me six months. We'll hit it again. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So you have an opportunity, I, I think. I was thinking of this as well in relation to getting like ancestral healing and all that shit and getting into like, if I have the opportunity right now, I'm carrying the baton of my, my parents and my grandparents and all the way back for a real long time. It eventually probably connects with everything. And also the responsibility, if I so choose it, to do the healing for my children and my children's children and my children's children. You know, and I think that we're essentially, we learn from our parents, not what they do, but who they are. And it's a pretty courageous decision to choose to really look at your shit and really be authentic and honest with yourself. And if you do choose that path, when you have those moments of, of, of pain, if you don't want it to just be about you, it's like you have the opportunity to heal your, your fucking kids mm -hmm. before they're even here. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and look, you know, as we're kind of wrapping, up. wrapping this up, I mean, I think the ultimate thing is a lot of times people experience what you're feeling here now, the pain mm -hmm. that comes from the separation. And there's pain that comes from the, the fission. You know, there's pain that comes from separation. So that's where you get all of these ideas, songs and memes and things. Love hurts. Well, it's not the love that hurts. It's the way that you love yourself less when that object of love leaves, right? So every opportunity that love hurts is a good recognition that it's not the love that's hurting at all. It's your own inability to forgive and love yourself completely and wholly. So the invitation then is not to steer away from these external sources of love, it's to build the internal resilience and the internal wellspring of self-love so that you can go out and love 
everybody as hard and as deep and as wildly and as passionately as possible and know that if they break your heart in the most ridiculous way, you know, sleep with your best friend and fucking publish your nudie photos and whatever the fuck, like do the most horrific thing, like you'll still love yourself mm. no matter what and it's going to be okay. And it's going to be, it's not going to be as bad as I just mentioned, you know, again, it's always like, it's always better than, better than you fear, you know, maybe worse than you hope. But nonetheless, like if we can build that internal resilience, then we can live life really free and free to enjoy the most incredible aspect of life, which is to love. Mm -hmm. That's what we all want, you know, but we can do that with confidence when we start <clears throat> with that deep, deeply grounded self-love. And we know that no matter what happens, we're going to be all right. I think the nugget for the growth and the evolution is exactly what you were saying about how people continue to attract the same partner. You are always the common denominator. So to actually be really reflective about what part of me continues to attract this, what wound is calling these experiences in for me to heal. You know, a lot of people want to look to the situation as kind of taking more of like a victim stance, like this is happening to me. And for me, I always try to reflect on how am I creating this? Yeah. Everything that I don't like, there is something within me that's creating it. So why am I creating it? And that kind of helps to start alchemizing a lot of the pain and challenge and then move into more self-love and then actually have experiences that you want to have hmm. that are really rewarding and fulfilling and loving. <laughs> Well, you guys got to go catch a ride yeah. to the airport. We yeah. do indeed. Cancun. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. Love, love. Love Cancun. Love Cancun. <laughs> we're in Flume right now, by the way. We're looking out <laughs> over the ocean. It's very beautiful. Um, I so greatly appreciate you guys. I really love you guys. Yeah, yeah really love, love you. Too, There's literally, like I said last night, there's not a single cell of your being that I don't absolutely unconditionally love so thank you for being such a bright light in our lives and to this planet thank you thank you thank you thank you you are magnificent i appreciate that <laughs> mm -hmm. and true. for and for people listening who listen to your podcast like the one thing that we can all learn from aaron is radical self-expression and oh know gosh. that like sure there's going to be some people that will look at Aaron and be like, that dude's fucking weird. But I've had some of those same people who ultimately around it, because it's coming from the truest, most honest place possible, they're always like, even if they have that initial judgment, it always comes back to love and appreciation. And then some people are going to get it right away. Like, I got it right away. I was like, I fucking love this guy yeah. <laughs> right away. But, and then, but the kind of bond that you're going to be able to create from that radical self-expression and how you're going to be able to feel that love, you know, is it's unmatched. Yeah. Because if you're putting on any facade, if you're acting in any way that's not in your most authentic way, then somebody's going to be loving the projection or the avatar of who you are rather than loving the absolute truth of who you are. And, you know, you've set yourself up in a beautiful way because you are Aaron 100% of the time. 100% Aaron. And so all the love you <laughs> get... totally different when I'm not remembering the <laughs> I wear a suit, sometimes tuxedo, <laughs> usually a G-string. <laughs> so all the, love that, all the love that comes your way, like this is love for the real you. It's so true. It's for the real you. Authenticity is, this, is so rewarding and so 
safe feeling because you always know where you stand with somebody when they're in their absolute authenticity all the time. It's really refreshing. Hmm. So thank you. This feeling is very mutual. <laughs> um, can we point people to a place? What's the, I'd love people to Yeah, if you want to listen to Vi and I's you know, story of coming together, our, our love story, so to speak, uh, we have a great podcast out, the Aubrey Marcus Podcast, uh, with Vilana Marcus. Mm. That would be a good place to go. Got a newsletter, Instagram. Um, Fit for Service is pretty rad. Uh, if you're interested in you know, joining us in a, in a tribe of transformation, Aaron, you were uh, dipped in, in and out of this as, a, as one of the coaches that we bring in, but have just amazing coaches and musicians and a group of 150 people just dedicated to personal transformation, tribe, community, people making best friends. There's some of just a baby now on the way from people who met in it. It's like, it's really this radical uh, reimagining of what tribe can look like going through different rites of passage, like, you know, some of the deep shamanic breathing and Temescal and soul wanders and ecstatic dances and just all of the different practices. So if you're interested in that, aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service. Uh, there's an application process and it's pretty full, but if you feel deeply called. It's extraordinary. It's yeah, one of speak. the most special things I've ever experienced. Yeah, in my I life. can speak firsthand to uh, well, I mean, one being a, a part of it as as one of the instructors at one point, but also um, speaking with people that that are members. I've heard firsthand of just how deeply valuable it's been to them, uh, and like it's very surprising, like the level of depth that they've experienced with it, and, and the community and the relationships that they've had. So, for people listening, if that is something that seems like it resonates even a little bit. I've got firsthand validation that uh, it's really changed people's lives. So I'm glad that you are. Yeah, I appreciate a, that you are, both of you are bringing that to the world. Yeah, true honor. It's a true honor. All right. All right. Off. We did it. To Cancun. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that was supportive to some people and not excessively self-indulgent like <laughs> the last week of my posts on the internet. Um, all right. Over now. Hope you guys got some value out of that conversation. I hope I wasn't too much of a whiny little bitch and I uh, hope it was helpful. If you are in a relationship or coming out of a relationship or what have you, hopefully some of the points presented by Aubrey and Vi are supportive in your life. If y'all did enjoy this and you want to share it, you can tag me at Align Podcast or Aubrey Marcus at Aubrey Marcus or Vailana at Vailana Marcus. Finally, if you guys are interested in figuring out how to mobilize and open up your hips, if you're a person that sits on a chair a lot throughout your life and you feel like you have tight, rigid, stiff hips, you probably have tight, rigid, stiff ankles as well. And we've provided a solution for those things, utilizing something I'm immensely excited about. It is sitting here right beside me. It's called the Align Total Strength Kit. And I brought it with me here in Tulum. I've been utilizing it each day. It's my absolute go-to favorite tool, 100% for mobilizing my joints. I have it hanging up from my closet door right now, and I will strap it around my shoulders or my hips or my knees, my ankles to floss open those joints. So essentially what it is, is a travel kit, includes four different size resistance bands, includes a door anchor, so you can attach those bands to a door, and it also has a handy dandy hip band, so you can work on strengthening that sweet, sultry bum of yours. All that can be found at Align Band. 
band.com a-l-i-g-n band.com and you can get yourself the align total strength kit it is the absolute go-to replacement for a gym any exercise that you could do in a gym for the most part you can do with resistance bands and we teach you how to do that with the align band it comes with a instructional video guide on how to get started so check it out alignband.com get the strength kit get your fitness on and uh, get your travel on and if you do travel throw the line band in your bag thanks so much for tuning in i hope you are in love with your life i hope you tell somebody that you care about them and uh yeah i'll see you next week over and out